Hey, welcome to episode 89 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. And you know, as this season has gone on, I feel like I'm starting to just find certain topics that have to be repeatedly discussed. For example, the three goaltender situation in Montreal. Why is this such a problem? I am at a loss to understand this. I really am. I don't get why everybody's like, oh my God, this is crushing the team. This is not fair to the goaltenders. Why? Montreal is in a perfect position right now. They're not going to win the cup. And for some reasons that we're going to get here to shortly with this other obsession as far as Montreal needs to make this big trade and acquire a bona fide center, which we'll get back to you because that is just nuts in itself. But starting with the three goaltender situation, nobody has come to the forefront. Now, arguably, some people could say, well, they don't have a chance to because of the three goaltenders. There's some merit to that. But again, like I began with, Montreal is in a perfect position right now. They are in a rebuild. So Montreal has an opportunity that you only have either in preseason every year or for teams that are rebuilding. And that opportunity is evaluation. And Montreal has the opportunity to evaluate. Now, that being said, you don't want to unnecessarily waste years of a Cole Caulfield's career, Nick Suzuki's career, Kirby Doc's career, Caden Gooley's career, Arbor Jackeye's career, and many others without listing them all. Okay? I get that. But Montreal is in a rebuild. And the three goaltender situation actually serves them well right now. No goaltender is going to get overworked. Goaltenders are going to be evaluated on a deeper level than normal. Now, with that said, there's apparently a lot of people that think Sam Montembeau has earned the number one job. It's his. I have not seen any consistent abilities that say that. Yeah, he has won some games for Montreal last year and this year that without his goaltending abilities, they probably wouldn't have won. Yep. And you give that credit to every goaltender because just about every goaltender's done that, that's played. That's kind of expected. But I have not seen the grab a hold of it like a lifeline mentality and never let go. This job is mine and nobody else is going to get it type scenario. That I have not seen. And I've said that repeatedly on this podcast. If you look at all Montreal's games individually this year, I would argue with anybody that the three best games that they've played all year have not been a game versus Detroit, a game versus Buffalo, and that 5 nothing shutout the other night in Anaheim. And in all three of those games, Caden Primo was your goaltender. I have argued this from the beginning of the year. I like Montembeau. I've got nothing against him. He's a good, competitive, young goaltender. I like his style. I like his height, build, athletic ability. He's a good goaltender. I still maintain that the team plays differently, better, and has more confidence when Caden Primo is in goal. Look at those three games for me. You tell me they don't. The team has more confidence. Not that they don't like Montembeau. Not that they have a problem with him or anything. But Primo just has a presence. And if he was given more games, that might come out a lot more obvious to a lot of people. 
Which, of course, people are going to jump on right off the bat and say, oh, see, the three goaltending problem or the three goaltenders is a problem. No, no. It's allowed Jake Allen, who, let's be honest, some people argue he's a 1B goaltender. He is definitely on the backside of his career, and he is mostly, more than anything else, a fantastic teammate, a fantastic mentor, somebody that can pass down the traits of the game from a person who has seen it and played it to a Caden Primo in Sam Montebo. He is an invaluable leader in the locker room and on the ice. I think, quite honestly, and I have no firsthand knowledge of this, I'll bet he keeps a certain tempo and calmness to all the goaltenders because of how long he's been around. And as valuable as all of that is, unfortunately, he's in his mid-30s. That, by default, along with his injury history, especially of recent years, makes him nod man out. Now, Montreal probably could have traded him already if all they wanted was a 5th, 6th, or 7th round pick. Montreal obviously wants more than that. They know he's worth more than that. The team acquiring him knows he's worth more than that. They're trying to get him for a minimum amount of compensation. Any team would. It's smart business. But Montreal's not going to just give him away. And, quite honestly, with the injury history of Montembeau, it's probably beneficial that he plays a slightly lower amount of games this year. That's okay. Montembeau's locked up for three years to a rational contract at 3.15 mil annually over three years. Primo is costing the Canadians less than a million dollars. Jake Allen's the most expensive right now. And I think that's, if I remember right, something like $3.28 million a year or something like that. But the three goaltender system has worked. Nobody's been overworked. Everybody's been able to be evaluated. And fortunately for Montreal, they have also probably, at least in the position of goal, because God knows it hasn't happened in other areas, been able to avoid some injuries, either from overworking or from players getting ran into because they have the ability to play multiple goaltenders. It's actually, quite honestly, a position of envy. Now, to the other issue, and this one arguably is even a bigger problem that I'm having with people, and that is just a ridiculous concept that people have. Oh, well, now Montreal's acquiring all these first-round extra draft picks, all this draft capital compensation. They need to trade for a bona fide center. They, they, they need to make a big trade. No, they do not. What is with people wanting Montreal to trade away all their draft capital, all their prospects, disrupt the rebuild, disrupt their roster for who? Okay, I've already said in previous episodes, you could acquire, if you want to talk about the best player that many believe exists in the entire world, that would be Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid by himself would not be enough to push Montreal into a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. How can I say that? Well, Connor McDavid has more talent around him in Edmonton right now, and he hasn't won a Stanley Cup. So if he's going to be traded to Montreal and have less talent around him, how's Montreal going to win a Stanley Cup with that? How is that going to turn them into a legit contender? And even if they could do it and swing that trade for no roster player currently on the team, so you don't have to trade a Doc, a New Hook, Suzuki, Caulfield, Caden Primo, Arbor Jack guy, you don't have to trade any of those guys. And just for the fun of it, let's really throw this in Montreal's favor. You don't have to trade Lane Hudson or David Reinbacher or Logan Mylou. 
in that trade. Even with retaining all of that, it's not enough. And now the latest one is Casey Middlestat. Oh, he's unhappy in Buffalo. He's a former top eight pick in the draft. We have to acquire him. He is perfect. He will be the great two-way center. He'll be the great defensive presence. He hasn't done anything in Buffalo. Why would I give away ridiculous amounts of prospects? Because Buffalo's going to want that. Starting with, uh, this wouldn't be surprising at all, guaranteed in that trade, Buffalo starts off with, wants a 2024 first-round pick, wants Logan Mylou, wants Owen Beck, and it's not going to stop there. You would really give that up for Casey Middlestat? Really? Because I wouldn't. There isn't a player in the league that I would give up that for. Because again, Montreal, even if you're talking about the best players in the league, let's define the best players in the league for a second. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews. Okay, let's just start there. I wouldn't even trade for any one of them individually and give away all that. None of them individually are going to push the needle. They're not. Connor McDavid, for example, arguably by most, the best player in the world. Every year in the playoffs, suffers from the same thing. The basic playoff concept and style every year. Tighten it up, defense first, limit the offense to the opposition. It's been that way forever, okay? In the playoffs, teams have the ability to tighten up on him, and instead of being that five or six point per player game that he is a lot of the times, he's more of a one or two point, sometimes a three point guy. But unfortunately, it shuts everybody else down. So everybody can key on McDavid and shut him down. His playoff numbers are not as offensively explosive as his regular season numbers are. So that is not going to push the needle. And before anybody says, well, you know, with all these injuries and now that Sean Monahan's been traded, the team is desperately short at center. Are they? Really? For where they're at? Because I argue that. Now, would I love to see Kirby Doc 100% healthy having played all this year? Yes, I would. I think Doc, again, based on raw talent, if that guy can ever stay healthy for a season and doesn't get bit by the injury bug, I think that guy's talent is untapped and unlimited. I really do. I'm not saying he's a Wayne Gretzky or a Mario Lemieux or something stupid like that, but I think talent pound per pound he's the best on that team by far and i think if he's ever able to truly light it up and play to his ability not having to worry about injuries a lot of opposition should be concerned drastically and they're and everybody's going to find out how much montreal made a steal at the 2022 draft for that player his biggest issue is injuries now that aside you've got nick suzuki currently you got jake evans in addition to that the organization has leas anderson Owen Beck, Lucas Condotta, Jared Davidson, Sean Farrell, Philip Millette, Xavier Simino, all that can fill those slots. Again, if Montreal was to make the playoffs this year, they're going to make it as the 16th seed overall of the 16 teams that make the playoffs. Argumentatively, could you say anything could happen in the playoffs? Yes, you could. The likelihood of that turning to pure fire or gold and Montreal going all the way would be the ultimate definition of a Cinderella playoff season. Not saying it can't happen. Certainly can. 
But the dominoes that would have to fall, the oppositions that would have to go away by losing to their opponents would have to be magical. It really, really would to make that happen. But if you're to acquire this center that everybody wants so badly, what happens next year? What happens next year when you have your top four centers on the team already? Suzuki, Doc, Owen Beck, Lucas Kandata. What do you do then? Everyone's like, well, how can you say that? Because your top three lines, honestly, at this point, which, by the way, is a hell of a top nine for any team to be able to ice, Joshua Roy, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Alex Newhook, Kirby Doc, Yarav Slavkowski, Philip Massar, Owen Beck, Sean Farrell. There's your top nine right there. Your fourth line? At least two-thirds of the way taken care of in Michael Pizzetta as the left wing, Lucas Condotta as the center. So at the moment, your right wing position on the fourth line is open and take your pick there. Jesse Yolanin, Emil Heineman. I mean, it just keeps going. You got a lot of options for that right wing. So Montreal has got the team. What the city doesn't seem to have is patience. Unfortunately, this is a direct result of that instant gratification crap. Everybody's like, well, I want it to go faster. I want to win now. I want. Again, you don't matter. What matters here is the organization and the quality of the longevity of the product on the ice. And if everybody is really all in on the we want to return to Stanley Cup victory regularity, meaning that it happens a lot and they win it a lot, then you're going to have to get the patience. Because these people that want to mortgage the team away are just going to propel it into mediocrity and a bottom league feeder team permanently. They don't seem to understand that. I don't know how you don't understand that, but they don't. And it's really, really perplexing to listen to. Because these people just want to trade away everybody. Now, if you want to trade away somebody for a talent you believe would help the team, Okay, here are some of the trades of prospects you could make. You could trade away an Oliver Kapanen, a Jacob Olsen, a Jan Mysik, a Ty Spolanek. Okay, you also got a boatload of veterans to trade. Josh Anderson, Christian Dvorak come to mind. If you want to trade away a young prospect that has kind of a mixed bag, if you will. Some people are really high on him. Some people, hmm, not quite sure yet. Justin Baran. So if you want to come up with a combination of that, for example, let's go back to Casey Middlestat for a second. If you think he is this great acquisition, then you know what? Send either Josh Anderson or Justin Baran as the centerpiece to the trade. Include an Oliver Kapanen, a Jacob Olofsson, or a Jan Mysak as the second piece of the trade. And then as the third and final piece, a Ty Spolanek. So if you can send a combination of that and acquire Middlestat, great. I'm in. I'd make that trade. I'm good with that. And that's fair. That gives Buffalo either a believed to be power forward in Josh Anderson or a young defensive prospect in Justin Baran. It gives them center depth with either Kapanen, Olsen, or Mysak, and gives them a promising prospect in Ty Spolanek. You want to make that trade? I'm in. But those are the type of prospects because those prospects, maybe minus Baran, depending on which side of the discussion you're on with him, are probably prospects 
that aren't going to get a fair shot at making it because of all the prospects that Montreal has, which we've talked about on repetitive shows, that Montreal has tremendous depth in the prospect. Which leads me back to, for that reason, there isn't really anybody they need to trade for. They're putting all the pieces together. Again, if people have not realized the forward group coming that I talked about earlier in this episode, along with a starting six defense of Reinbacher, Hudson, Mylou, Jackeye, Gooley, Jaden Struble, okay? And not necessarily in those pairings, but all of those players are already there. Now, the only thing that I haven't talked about is like, oh, what are we going to do for goaltending? Well, in the next couple of seasons, as the team is maturing, as the team is gelling and coming together, you're going to have Montembeau and Caden Primo. At some point, you're going to have Jacob Fowler, and you're going to have other prospects that they've drafted that'll be ready. And whether it's Fowler or whether it's Volokin, the Russian, one of those two guys is going to be the goaltender, I believe. And they're having seasons right now to prove it with Fowler in his first year in the NCAA and Volokin is having another lights out year in the Russian league. Both of them are very, very promising goaltenders. Very promising. So the team's there. What's missing is patience from everybody else and everybody else needs an enormous dose of patience to let this thing come together and when it does believe me i have very little doubt in my mind that there won't be a lot of happy people all over the place not just in the city limits of montreal but everywhere in the world there's a montreal canadians fan they will be exceptionally competitive they will be a yearly contender and they will have a legit shot at winning the cup every year now and i word it that way because everybody's like well that doesn't sound like you're totally confident about that well things you can't control Other teams suddenly becoming exceptionally hot in the playoffs. That's happened a number of times. Or something even more likely and uncontrollable, injuries to your own team or other teams. Sometimes it makes your life easier. Sometimes it makes the job for your team more difficult if they're your own injuries. So those are uncontrollable. So if a star player suddenly goes down with a shoulder separation, yeah, that's going to change the dynamics of the team. And as the final topic of episode 89, I would be remiss if I didn't discuss Arbor Jackeye again. Not that I want to, but unfortunately, we have to. I have said since this guy walked into Montreal as a walk-on, that he is a rare blend of skills and talent that is very, very hard to find. Not only because he can protect his own players and stand up for them, and does without hesitation, but he can skate, he can shoot, he can stand back and quarterback on the power play, he can deep goaltenders, he's got good acceleration, especially for a guy that's nearly 240 pounds. He is a very rare blend and on top of all that i have no doubt especially since he was a walk-on at the ohl level and at the nhl level he has made a living out of when people say you can't his response is i will watch this okay he is a phenomenal player he is extremely important and i again believe more important than any other player on the montreal roster is to that organization he is the type of talent that they have lacked for nearly five decades. He's got a blend of skill from toughness 
to the offensive and defense abilities I've already mentioned that no player in the Canadian's history has had. I mean, you've had the fighters, Chris Nyland, John Cordick, Lyle Odelin, but not wrapped up with the skills that he also has. Although Nyland did have a couple of really good offensive seasons. And yet there are these... I don't know what to call. I'm just going to take the easy one out and call them just these individuals that want to trade them. Oh, well, you know, now that we got Jaden Struble, we don't need to have Arbor Jack guy. Yeah, you do. Where has the memory of all the people that have complained for nearly the same five decades that I've referenced before about how Montreal is smaller, can't compete, gets tossed around on the ice, can't stand up against anybody, isn't physical enough, too small, too small, too small. What happened to all that? Did that magically get cured? Because you've needed players like Arbor Jack guy like Jaden Struble and others to have that physical presence so teams don't take advantage of the Montreal Canadiens and try to physically wear them down or successfully physically wear them down because those players aren't there. Or just like players used to do with Matt Nasland, who was also 5'7 and not very heavy in weight, they don't take a shot at Cole Caulfield, who's currently 5'7 and 175 pounds. That's why you need those players. No, you don't need a pure Chris Nyland, Stu Grimson, you know, Dave the Hammer, Schultz. Yeah, those players have kind of gone by the wayside as one-dimensional fighters. But again, even to those teams that had those players on them, they were beloved by their teammates. Their teammates felt safer. It added an extra dimension and element to the team that other players didn't have to worry about. I mean, has anybody ever considered Ray Janul, Pierre Mondou, Yvon Cornwayer, Steve Shutt, Guy Lafleur, Vincent Damfus, and I'm taking players from different decades, Bobby Smith. Anybody ever consider those guys to be a fighter? Physical first players? Not really. They were all very, very gifted offensive players. And they needed people on their team that would take care of the issues that, should they arise, are going to make sure those players in opposition are kept in check. And that's exactly what those other players did. But there is no need to trade Arbor Jackye. Everybody's like, oh, well, you know, his value right now will never be higher. We we can score a huge, a huge what? Again, you're not going to acquire another defenseman for him for any reason. You already got way too many great ones of those coming. And I say great cautiously, but you got a lot of defensive talent coming. Think about this for a second. You've got Struble, Jackye, Gooley, Harris, Reinhardt, Logan Mylou, Lane Hudson. We're already up to seven. Adam Ingstrom, we're up to eight. We can keep going. You only got six spots, so you don't need a defenseman for him. And who are you going to acquire offensively? Again, the best is Connor McDavid. Let's say you want, oh, let's go a little bit more heavier, a little more two-way complete. Let's go Leon Dreisaitl. Okay, is that going to put you in the cup? No, not for at least several years. Nope, because the team has to gel. But I do not, for the life of me, understand this desire to trade Arbor Jackye. He is what the team has needed, what seems like, forever. Leave him alone. Let him play. He's taken, for some reason, a lot of pressure that a sophomore defenseman should not be facing from critiques, from fans, from media. He's played a really solid game. And I personally don't think he should have ever been sent to Laval this year. I've said it all along. I know that Caden Gooley, for whatever reason, has been chosen as the golden child, the can't-miss defensive prospect. But if you told me I can either draft Gooley or Jack Eye, I'll take Jack Eye. 
Jack Eye is a rare blend, and I'll tell you something I worry about with Caden Gooley. It isn't his game, isn't his abilities, isn't his top-end limitation. It's his injuries. You look at the last couple of years, that boy gets hurt. Now, some people could say he gets hurt because he plays so hard and is willing to put it all on the line every game, and he is. That's great, but I worry about his shoulders long-term. His shoulders seem to be the weak area. He seems to keep getting crunched or checked hard into the boards, and before you know it, he misses 10, 20, or more games. I hope that also, like Doc's injuries, never happens to him again. I love the player. Gooley is outstanding. Doc is outstanding. But you got to be concerned about those injuries and that's another reason why you can't keep trading all your prospects because everybody's like oh my god well you're not going to find spots for all of them well you know what injuries happen careers get shortened people's careers are altered because of it so where you didn't think you'd have room availability or a need suddenly you do and that's why you can't just keep, oh, well, we'll never use them all. Let's just, you know, trade them away. Yeah, that creates a lot of problems, folks. It really does. And just to make episode 89 a really thorough and complete about current topic discussions, the surprise about Yuri Slavkovsky, that is amazing to me. I've said in previous episodes, he's an 18-year-old kid. Now he's 19. Last year, he played 39 games in the NHL before getting injured. Before that, his experience was seven international games in a tournament. And apparently, there's a lot of people that expected him to come over and be Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, those types of first-round picks. No, he wasn't gonna. First of all, he doesn't have a supporting cast to give him that kind of needed wingers and center and everything at the time. And two... He's an 18-year-old kid. Think about those players that I mentioned. How common is a Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin? How many of those do you see? Do you see one of those in every year's draft that has a first overall pick? Not even close. Not even remotely close. Do you see every year a Steven Stamkos, Vincent LeCavalier, Mario Lemieux? No, you don't. The draft, as so many experts have said, is not an exact science. There's been plenty of first-round overall picks that have not succeeded. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, who, who's that? Oh, I don't know. Let's name a couple of them. How about Patrick Stefan? How about Alexander Daig? How about Rick DiPietro? Miel Yakupov might be another one. And to be determined, although he's having a better year right now, but look how many years he's been in the league already, Alexei Lafreniere. People take time. Some people don't make it. Some people have an amazing career. There's apparently the most comparable to Yaroslav Slavkowski. There's apparently was an expectation. He's the next Yarmir Yager. <laughs> well, you know what? Yarmir Yager is still playing at 52 years old and is physically in amazing shape, still scoring a on-ice coach of the Czech team along with the coaching staff. Yager is not a common player. Yager is a very very rare breed. Would I love to see Yurav Slavkovsky become Yamer Yager? Hey, hey, 
Who wouldn't? Absolutely. Stop trying to compare him to Yager. He's not. It's going to take him time. And guess what? With the surprise of his production, 29 points in the last 24 games, although now I think it's 31 points in the last 25 or 26 games, guess what? He's been aligned with talent. And had he started off and played all season with the line that he did and had in the preseason with Newhook and Doc, he would have also been very successful as he is now with Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. You have to give talent, talent to play with. The rarest exceptions of all the players that have played in modern history, and arguably one could even say since the game's been around, although there are previous players that I'll mention in those generations. But in modern times, Gretzky and Lemieux stand alone as the players that literally you can put anybody with that aren't even offensively gifted or oriented and would make and turn into fantastic players. Those players of the past are probably Gordie Howe and John Beliveau. Even if all four of those players are that kind of talent, that's four players in the entire league's history. Not really something you can say is common. It really, really isn't. So let's continue to enjoy watching Gerai Slavkowski. Let's continue to understand the value of Arbor Jackeye. And let's stop the massive, ridiculous trades and just bankruptcy and mortgaging of the team's future that will land them in mediocrity permanently. On that note, thanks for tuning in to episode 89 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I'm your host, Steven Stiles. Have an amazing week.